Mad Beef is kept going and growing by generous support from Skater HQ. Bill and the team have been heavily involved in the inline skating community since 1991 and continue to support competitions, skaters, and now a podcast. You can visit Skater HQ at one of their Sydney shops or shop online at skaterhq.com.au. Also, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. It really means a lot. If you want to become a patron of the podcast, find us on Patreon and pledge a monthly contribution. Even just $2 a month would be a huge encouragement. Hi, this is Mad Beef, the Australian Rollerblading Podcast. I'm Mikey Lynch, and in this episode I chat with Paul Kreutzer, or Paulbury, um, about uh, the practicalities of organising events, um, competitions, skate meets, other things like that. Um, I hope you enjoy and get inspired to do something. And we can yeah. just kind of go, you know. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, so, so Paul Kreutzer, or Paulbury, Paul from Albury. <laughs> um, uh, What's I mean for people who who I mean there's a small world especially Australian skating but those who might not know you what's a little bit of your kind of skating kind of background CV sort of thing like where do you fit uh, into the Aussie skating I'm, scene? I'm very terrible at skating. I'll put it that that's probably one thing. No, I don't know. Like I've just been uh, around skating. I grew up in Newcastle in New South Wales, so I used to skate with like the Newey dudes a lot, mm. like all, all the time. And then uh, I guess. 2006 when I finished high school I moved to Albury for uni so I kind of dissipated that's that was around like when roller mag was was still kicking so um and I remember I was so devastated I moved to Albury two weeks before Goldie and like the the roller mag dudes came through to film everyone's or, or take photos for everyone's like tricks and stuff in this new like session yeah um which was really made me quite quite upset but then I guess yeah I've been I was in Albury for from 2006 2010 um sort of skating a lot on my own and with maybe one or two other people. What and is there then, to skate in Albury? Uh, there's there's two, three parks that are quite good. Like the the older style parks that were built when rollerblading was big. So you've got a lot of coping boxes and and that stuff. It's actually a four-in-a-row mag where they did the excuse tour. Uh-huh. And John, John Julio has a trick on – there's a bank to rail in Albury Park. There's quite a few. And Toby Heslop has a sequence – I want to say he does uh, alley-oop top misdraft rewind. Yeah. And I think Julio does a uh, switch alley-oop top sole maybe. But that's at Albury Park. And then there's another clip in, I think, the rolling video game. And Blake Dennis does a back fast slide around like it's on fire at nighttime on like a, a bowl. So Albury's got a pretty, a pretty good history of skating because it's always been that stopping point for everyone going between Sydney and Melbourne. Nice. So you should always, always get a session in when someone would be going past. Um, and most, I think most recent clips that I can think of that come to mind is I think Gav does a in Valo 5 in his section does like a, a fish brain on this wall thing, which I think is there. I think that's the spot, but I could be wrong. So Let's uh, say it is. Yeah, let's just say it is for the sake of it. Why not? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. And then living there, I guess, I, I just – I always wanted to – I was part of – loosely part of, like, some Newcastle street comps that got put on. Yeah. And then I thought, well, like, I should do something similar. So I put on – the first thing I did is I put on a skate meet, which was, like, around the time that MSC, like, Tim Woods message board and stuff. Yeah. They were doing skate meets and things. I was like, man, I want people to come and skate with me because I'm sick of, like – not having anyone to skate with, so I just put on a skate meet, and no one showed up from anywhere except for Craig Smith, 
So, like, I don't know if you remember him. Uh, so I think he lives in London now. Like, uh, I think he know. might be. Some of these names and stuff might be in the my skating hiatus point. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. So, so Craig did. Um, uh, what was it like about rollerblading? Mm-hmm. And so that had sections from like uh, well, who was in it? I think yeah, most of the Melbourne dudes were in that. But this is kind of yeah mid. Mid, uh, like mid 2010 uh, mid like 2007 2008 yeah okay um, yeah yeah so I'm out in the wilderness at this point like walking yeah, around yeah, with no yeah. wheels on my feet you know just walking fair enough fair enough so so then <laughs> riding a bicycle yeah. you know I'm yeah. riding a bicycle yeah. at that point <laughs> yeah right fair enough um, yeah so I don't know like and then I guess my, my I started when I was quite young so I started in like the era of K2s and yep. all of that kind of thing but then I had a I, I stopped at 99 or something and then came back 2004 or thereabouts so I kind of missed for me it's funny because I missed I got all of the early stuff like the, the like from VG2 through to VG8 VG6 around that sort of time yeah. and then nothing until like the next thing I saw was bang so my mind was completely blown it was amazing <laughs> um, yeah which was pretty pretty interesting so yeah it's funny how I mean things just sped up and um Oh, so and, much. And style became a lot – like a lot of things were figured out, weren't they, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, I always like I always had these long chats with Chris Puller about like what, what makes skating good and like the aesthetics of skating and stuff and what – I think there's something to be said for just that, that ease of motion, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'd much rather see someone just flow around a park, not even really doing anything that great, but just, just looking good on their skates and being comfortable rather than doing some crazy hammer and it just looks terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's 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 my viewpoint anyway. I think that, that flowy style is always way better. But then there's something that's got to be said for like a, you know, a Joe Atkinson or a, a Dom Sagona or something. It's kind of a bit more wild and like a bit all over the place, but controlled chaos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was really interesting being at this um, – a whole bunch of guys from Melbourne came down to Tassie this weekend and some, yeah. you know, bunch from Tassie got together and just, you know, it's great watching this bunch of different styles and, and yeah, yeah, it, yeah, you know, there are some yeah heaps more solid, methodical, you know, yeah. sort of styles and then others more, as you say, controlled chaos. And the cool thing about the controlled chaos thing is it gives you a sense of what's at stake. Do you kind of know what I mean? Like you've got to get a sense of going sure. like – this could go terribly, terribly this wrong. This could go really bad, but it just it comes together nicely. Yeah, and, yeah for and it, sure. And it brings a different kind of energy, I think, you know, that, whereas the precision thing makes it look relaxed and easy, and there's something really cool about that, graceful about that. That, that that's yeah, it's a like, sprung energy comes across in those sure. more It's like stuff. watching someone like, like Bobby Spaz or someone like that yep. versus, you know, like someone who's just going out and just hammering handrails. But it, it's, it's, it's pretty alluring on both sides. Like it both looks really good. Yeah, it's so, good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so we we got yeah. we lined up this um, Skype chat because you'd listened to the podcast I'd put out looking at like a really high-level thinking kind of philosophically almost about when you're going to organise something like a skate event or meet or trip or event, uh, you know, what are some of the, the kind of background ways of thinking about that stuff? And then you got in touch and said, oh, well, I've actually done a lot of this stuff on the ground. And that as you were listening to it, you are going, oh, it'd be cool to get into these more – concrete sort of bits of advice and things you've learned so what have yeah, you done sure. you shot me through a couple of these things a kind of like um, a street skating so, comp 
yeah, so there's a couple of things. So the first one was the I think Aubrey escaped me, which was terrible. No one came to it. So that was a learning curve in that like we needed someone maybe to see what was actually the spots and stuff that were there because it was people like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to travel that far for nothing. Because, yeah. um, you know, three hours is a decent drive from Melbourne and from Sydney it's about six, so it's not exactly easy to get to. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing I put on was a comp called Border Blade Down. Um, and that was a like uh, not sort of kind of like IMYTA sort of street comp style. Yeah. But what, what I did is rather than I sort of took a different way of judging it and rather than being the person judging the comp myself because no one would help me, I just said, well, why don't everyone skating in it? They can kind of judge it. So it was more just like a big session. And then I was on like student payments at the time at Centrelink and I put up like 500 bucks. I actually got an advance from Centrelink and used that as the prize money. And then there's a dude called uh, Toby, so Mad Dog. Yeah. Um, Shout-outs to Mad Dog for sure if he ever listens to this. And But he was like, well, whatever you put in, I'll match. So I had a $1,000 prize purse for the first ever comp that I put on, which was pretty amazing. Oh, um, so good. So that was cool. And then so Gav came to that, and he won. Um, I want to say Hayden Watt came second, and then I think it was Shane Onus from Camera was third. Mm-hmm. Um, and then little Tom Colusauri before – he sort of melded into to wherever he's at at the moment. He um he he won the under. I made it under 16s because there was a few like younger kids that came as well. So I was actually gonna, it was quite cool. I was actually able to give him like 200 bucks cash or 250 dollars cash. Um and he was he was super young. Like I think he did one of his first ever king crowns in a helmet, like you know that kind of stuff. Um at at the last spot. Um and then the next one I had the second edition which that was really cool because I had all the dudes, like I got into touch by that point with Gerard from VC, who's become one of my good friends now. And he, um, he came down on a tour. So they actually drove down from Brisbane just for the comp. Um, so I had Brisbane there, had all the Melbourne guys uh, and Danny Jensen won that comp here. I don't know if there's, I, I think I sent you the footage of that one. And he does like a disaster backshifty on this King Crow at the end, but there was some other stuff that went down the day before. Oh, man. The day before, like, that wasn't even supposed to be the last spot, but it kind of got shut down by that point. Like, Kieran Deans was doing disaster true top soyal on it and popped his shoulder out and stuff. So it kind of got a bit got a bit crazy towards the end. And, like, there was – some of the spots weren't supposed to be spots and just, just stuff really kicked off. Um, and then from there, I kind of I, – I wasn't living around Aubrey as much, but I still wanted to travel and whatever. So I was still living in Aubrey, but I put on the, this tour called the Back from the Dead tour. So I was talk. We got, I think it was maybe Brock Midgley and myself, and we were at the Aussie Titles in in um, Adelaide. I remember it clearly. Yeah, it was Adelaide. They were in a bar, like pissed, talking crap, whatever. And then um, I was like, man, we really should do like a tour and just see how that goes. And like, and the thing about it was, let's see how we can how we can try and fund it through maybe some outside support or whatever. And put some demos and stuff on. Unfortunately, it didn't the idea didn't really work, but it sort of got me thinking about how you could do it a bit better in the future. Yeah. And then what else? So back from the dead. Then we did the fish and clips tour. So that was around about Easter time, 2012. And if someone has that footage from that, I'd love to see it. Like I've the footage is out there, and there was an edit floating around for a while on our friend AJ from the States. So not AJ from Vibrolux, but a, another AJ who's doing some pretty cool stuff over in Thailand with CJ, like they're kind of both intertwined in that blade camp sort of thing. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, he's one of the guys behind Blade Club. So the like, you know, the, the bright pink fight club looking wax and yeah. stuff. 
Have you seen that? So yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's on that, but he filmed it in there, which, which had some banging tricks in it as well. Um, so we did that tour, and then um, I feel like there was maybe... Oh, the, we did the Vanuatu tour as well, like the Vanuatu tour, but I kind of stuffed that up for myself because I, I have a pretty intense job. I work for a big multinational as a, as a sales rep, so I don't often get the time that I want to have to do this kind of stuff anymore. Yeah. But um, I I had a conference I had to go to, so I organized events, got everyone sorted. was like, awesome, guys, enjoy, go to Canberra for Aussies. Oh, no, I've booked a conference on the Thursday and Friday that I'm supposed to be in the van with everybody. So... I kind of just had to then book a, a last-minute flight Saturday morning to fly up and got picked up by a few wary people, so that was pretty funny. And then and then from there, that's about it, really. Um, I haven't been too involved with, like, the ARO or anything like that. Like, I've, I've helped judge a lot of comps as well, yep. but not necessarily uh, been involved in the organising. Not that I got burnt out, per se, but more so I just didn't have the time. So that's I think that was the main thing. But definitely learnt a lot of stuff in that, in that... And more so around learnings is people should do more and put more things on, like, yeah. regardless. Well, well, so what's, what's your deal, man? Like, that's a lot. And it's a lot of, there's a lot of get up and go to say, oh, I'll try that. I'll try that. Let's try this. Let's do, you know. So what is there about you and, and where you've come from and, and what else has fed into your life to make you that guy? I think it's more just my, the, what I do for a profession. Like I, my job is very much, I, I, like I sell medical equipment and I have a very white collar job in which I have to go out and talk to people all the time and do things and really activate and, and make things happen. Yeah. So I think it just kind of naturally fits my personality a lot. Like someone will say, oh, this would be great to do this, but it's – and then that's that's all that's said. And I go, well, yeah, awesome. Let's do it. All right, cool. You can join those uh, dots, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's really not that difficult to do, but it's more like as – as I think this is what I want to really talk about is I think people need to really just start doing more things because <laughs> – more things. Well, that's it. It's like people like, oh, it'd be so nice if this happened or this happened, but no one wants to really put their hand up and do much. Yeah. Or, you know, and that's like, like your Tassie thing, for instance, what that took probably maybe Lance and a few people to say, hey, I want to have a skate. All right. Awesome. Let's, uh, let's, let's call up some friends and just pick a date, you know, like, yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, it's that crazy thing that like, you know, the, the biggest point and I don't think this is one of the things I did say in the, the podcast episode that this is related to is you know that in some ways that the biggest thing is going from zero to one right like the person who actually yeah, exactly. says has an idea and then actually puts the foot down on the accelerator and picks the date like that yeah, changes yeah. the universe at that point do you know what I mean because at that point it does, but, it's gone yeah, from being exactly. wouldn't it be cool to being March 9th to, you know 8th 9th and 10th yeah. I'm yeah, going yeah. who's coming yeah. It's on, and then suddenly, like things have now changed, and everyone then gets gets forced to then react to that. You know. Well, that's that's mm. it, and it's a case of like you know the you don't have to start an event and say I'm gonna I need ten thousand dollars and media coverage and all this kind of stuff. You literally just need to like you can go on MS Paint and write you know a date. You could write it on Microsoft Word and just like publish that on Facebook and create. Like we've got the access to the technology to to market this to people or not even market it but create it and say all right here it is here's the time show up and if two people show up great that's better than no one coming to something or no one doing anything yeah so i I think that's that's a pretty key point it's just setting your time and saying okay let's let's set the time here and then let's do it and then like if you're going to put on a competition or whatever not being afraid to just approach a few people like um you know i was a 19 year old kid when i first put on any event and i just i literally just rang skater hq and said oh hey can i speak to bill and then 
explained it to Bill and Bill was like, yeah, man, that sounds really good. Okay, cool. Done. And just sent me like 400 bucks worth of vouchers, you know, without even, he didn't know who I was. What a you know? champion. Yeah. Oh, he's a legend. Absolute legend. And then Bayside was the same. They just, because their riders were going. So they just, I rocked up and then um, I think Hayden or someone came up to me and goes, oh, hey man, um, here's a bag of stuff from the guys down at Bayside. I was like, oh wow. Okay. This is really cool. Um, I had uh, Marlon who was running REMS at the time. I, I got onto him through somebody and just said, hey, like I'm doing this. Is there, could you, could you give me something? Like I, whatever it is, a t-shirt, I don't care. And he said, oh, like I'll send you a pair of skates. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So the pair of skates, everyone who's going to win the comp or, or place in the comp or get a best trick, they don't necessarily need skates. They've generally got sponsors. So I decided, well, why don't I use that to try and boost the prize pool a little bit and sold raffle tickets during the day for like five bucks a ticket. And then you can potentially win yourself a brand new pair of skates. And that got us another 200 bucks to chuck in as well. So, you know, like there's, there's avenues to do this, but it just, it really does just take you to sort of get off the couch and say, all right, I'm going to make this happen. And, um, and it's, everything kind of just falls into place fairly easily. Yeah. So what, what would be some of the, you know, like, in, it, I mean, that's, that's again, this encouragement to get out and do it. There's, I mean, you've talked yeah, there about yeah, reaching yeah. out to shops that they have an vested interest within reason to sort of help out. Yeah, of course, you've also of course, mentioned yeah, to some degree realism. So going like, well, yeah. if you set your vision too high, then the thing, you know, the, then you, you've reached failure just because you're aiming at something mental, you know, so you've got to kind of yeah. be realistic to some extent. I mean, what would be some other things, if you know, practical things you'd want to be sort of... Um, practical things? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, clearing things with council and stuff as well, if the event starts to get a bit bigger. So, like, the Back from the Dead stuff, the plan was initially, and it unfortunately didn't kind of come off because we, we were just didn't like our, our every day we had just went to went to the dogs really but the idea was that we'd rock up at a small town we'd be able to skate there and we'd have a small demo and it was during school holiday times yeah. but unfortunately it didn't come to come to be but calling up councils and i'm i think there's more potential for this in smaller towns than there is in in larger cities because the smaller towns have a, a big problem and i believe you work with the youth as well right from what yeah. i've heard so You've got, you've got issues with, you know, youth running around bored during school holidays with nothing to do. Okay, yeah. what if we go to that council and say we can come here and, A, we can entertain them, and then, B, we can put on a clinic of some kind and show up with a few different pairs of skates in the car, and, and that then allows us to use their facility, piggyback off their insurance, um, all of that kind of stuff that the council already has in place. So that's that's one thing is reaching out to the councils and, and saying to them, hey, what programs do you actually do? And asking some questions. So finding out who's the person who looks after this stuff. Is there a, a local youth group? Is there anything like that that we can potentially channel through? So one of the one of the most practical things is piggybacking off already established stuff that's already in place that we're not necessarily tapping into because I think we we talk a lot about role playing with our industry being very small, but it's very insular as well, and in that people don't want to actually step outside of that. They want to market to themselves, but unfortunately, it's a bunch of people who are now hitting the age of thirty, and I don't really see many young kids getting into it because they don't know it exists, right? Yeah. So how can we better do something there? So that would be one thing is. And, and on that, you, that's helpful yeah. to know because, like, you know, we sort of think of council as this, ah, oh, forms and people behind yeah, desks yeah. and just wanting to say exactly. no. But actually they're just yeah. kind of normal human beings who, like, are just doing a job. And part of their job is to, you know, they want to be able to come to their boss and say, we facilitated these things and achieved yeah. these outcomes, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And so yeah. you're actually helping them. And although they've got crappy yeah. forms, it's a pain. In the end, behind all that, 
depending, I mean, like there are some sort of toxic council people who are just oh, of their course, of idea course. of good time is saying no, but a lot of them are just like just people like you or me who are just going, oh yeah, that sounds cool, and and if you, and yep. if you say, oh, this form is hard. Yeah. Then chances are you might even get a guy who says, well, "Come in with me, and I'll help you. Fill, I'll help you fill out exactly. the form." Exactly, I'll you do know. it for you because yeah. I, you know, I've I've got two thousand dollars. I need to spend this school holidays. I get nothing to do on it. I'm going to get in trouble if I don't sort something out. So if you can take away that barrier for them, sure, they're going to help you. So instead um, of being intimidated by that council thing, just hmm. seeing them the same way you'd see Bill at Skater HQ or the guys at Bayside or whatever, they're just people trying to do their little bit in this larger machine and um for sure for sure and i think i think that's a really key point is to actually like i think one of the so firstly let's let's break it down into a process like if you're doing a trick you break it down into like a few steps right so firstly it's set a date set it like this is when this is going to happen secondly don't be afraid to ask people for stuff because the worst thing they're going to say to you is no and that's like a really, a really key point. Like, if, if someone says to you, "What if, if you don't have anything, and then you don't get anything, but you don't ask for it?" Then that I think is pretty silly. Whereas if you say, "Okay, I need to ask for, say, you know, something pretty rudimentary. Maybe I want to put on a barbecue and raise some money or something, right? Uh, like the guys for the Bruns Bay Battle do every year. They put on a barbecue. Or what if they didn't have a barbecue? Okay, well they might just ask for one, and then who knows? They might get one or they might not. But they're not back." in a worse position than what they were before, right? So so that would be the second thing is ask for people to, like, ask for what you can get, you know? Um, so that's that's probably pretty key. And then I think from there, once you've once you've then got it, is thirdly is start to – you don't even need to know really what the event's going to be. It can kind of start to shape itself. But then, then start to put together a plan on not, like, how long is it going to run for, all that kind of stuff. It's pretty rudimentary at this point, but – what is the event going to be? Is it is it going to be a jam or a competition? Because if it's a competition, you have to have maybe different insurances and things than if it's a jam. So if you were to call it a jam, even though it might be a have some friendly competition, um, maybe do that first because it, you don't need the same level of maybe insurance or anything like that than if it's a full-on competition. Yep. So that's another thing is really work out what it's going to be. And then um, and also what do you want to get from it? Is it are you the the kid sitting in your in your town and goes oh god I'd really like a few people to skate with well. If that's the case, you can put something on and people will go there. Like we will, I know the Melbourne guys will travel anywhere for something that's happening as long as we're given some ample time. Like the the first, uh, the Bruns Blade Battle, which is the bowl comp, the first time we went to there, that was two dudes who used to come to all the comps and thought, this is really fun. We want to do something at our local skate park. It's nothing special. It's a bowl, a couple of down ledges in, um, in Brunswick Heads in northern New South Wales. Yeah. And yeah. now they're putting their third one on, which is going to be a Ballina skate park, a bigger park easier for people to get to because there's an airport and everything there and uh it's it's growing by numbers every single year so i think that's the thing is to to um to sort of just just yeah start to work out what it's going to be like and let it let it sort of grow a bit organically as well that's good stuff so um and then when you get a little closer into actually then doing the event itself what are the what are the things that go wrong or the things that keep your head afloat in so i was just chatting to um scott crawford the other day at the other end of the um the manly thing and he was just going it was so stressful you know And that's the problem. You organise something, you get to give this gift to blading and the wider community. But on the other hand, you're the the person organising it, and um, and that brings sort of a whole string. Like you're just on, in a way. Like other people might be tired from shredding, but um, they're not thinking the way you've got to think when you're running this kind of thing. You're going, 
How many people yeah, are here? Yeah. Are they happy? Is everything going well? What's next? What's yeah, you know, all yeah. this kind of stuff. I think that depends on personalities as well. Like it's, I look at some of my friends who've put on the arrows and things over the few years, and sometimes you can see just the stress just boiling over everywhere. But I think you've just got to take it as a as an attitude. Don't aim too high for the first thing that you put on. Keep the like I always talk to my friend SK about expectations when we're skating, and he's like, just go out there and just drop your expectations away, and you'll have more fun. So don't put big expectations on the the first or the first couple of events that you have. Just be happy that people come along and don't aim for it to be, you know, you're not going to have Blading Cup or Winter Clash in the first year that you have it. There's a reason those things have gotten progressively bigger all the time, and it's because they keep at it and they keep doing them. It's a regularity thing. So the first thing you put on, don't literally don't have any expectations. That's a big thing. Take all your expectations away and you'll have a much better time. So if you do put on that skate meet and only one person shows up, well, guess what? You still got together with some friends and you got to go for a skate, you know? Yeah. So that would be the thing. Yeah, lower the expectations completely. So then I think the stress then comes away from that. Um, if you are having a bigger event and you've done a few, you'll start to – it'll become a more natural process, I would say. Yeah. But definitely watch out. When you do have a, a, a big event and you've got friends you haven't seen for years, don't get really drunk the night before. That's a bad thing. I'll just put that down. That was a, a really, really bad choice that I've made in a couple of these things where you jump the gun. Yeah. But uh, – that's sort of tongue in cheek, but yeah, don't uh, just uh, try and get some sleep and stuff the night before. And, you know, it's really fun to see everyone and really go out and go out for dinner and have drinks and stuff, but maybe just, just, uh, just relax on that a little bit until after the event. Until after. Exactly. Uh, that's one of the yeah, things to yeah, look yeah. forward to when you go done. Yeah, exactly. Done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When the day's done, not so much like the nut rocking up feeling like crap. Cause I've done that to myself way too many times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably one thing is, is don't, yeah, don't overhype it in your own head as well don't that'll create nerves so try and be relaxed about stuff and if something happens that you know it's going to rain or anything like that have a plan b in your mind as well like is your event outside is it indoors if it is going to rain then what's your plan b where else can you go all that kind of thing that's pretty important too so have always always have a plan b and then maybe have a plan c in mind particularly if it's a street comp so the one of the border blade downs we got to the the second spot I think it was the second spot. It was this long uh, flat rail. And we got there, and there was a dude on a Saturday mowing the lawns of the school. And we were like, oh, no, it's going to be a bus. We're not going to be let in. But we were just lucky. The guy was like, oh, just don't break anything, and you guys can skate it for an hour or so. So that was really cool. And he actually opened the gate and let us in. Um, But if that didn't happen, we had other spots on backup as well. So that's that's stunning. I know one of the new e-comps we went to, one of the last spots was a – a bank to rail and some local skateboarders or whatever had concreted from the bank onto the rail to make this extra transition. We're like, Oh, what are we going to do? And there was these two kids just playing in the drain. And we said to them, Oh, you know, think on your feet as well. So can we borrow a sledgehammer? And they were like, yeah, sure. And get, went and got a sledgehammer from their dad so that we could get rid of the, the concrete that was added to the spot um, that we'd built anyway. And then, uh, you know, we chucked them a t-shirt out of the prize pool and some stickers and they were stoked. So, be, be able to think onto a, onto different plans so that you're not that'll take the stress away for sure yeah um, yeah so I mean how how doable are these street comps the IMYTA type things like I I can imagine that by and large that's the kind of thing a council if, once you get to council permissions they're going to look at and go oh no they're not going to no so that's, never that's never not happen never whatsoever yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was completely illegal like and <laughs> pirate um, that's that's why I've not done it again since because yeah. I'm, I'm now, you know, in, in my 30s. I'm not really 
as as gung ho as when I was 20, and I'll be like, yeah, sure, whatever, we'll work it out when it happens. Um, I still, even now, skating street, I get concerned about a spot. I'm like, oh, is it already kind of grimy, that kind of thing? Yeah. But if that's something that you're concerned about, then that's fine and that's totally okay. It you is funny that crap. age perspective thing. Like I shared yeah. some clip, I don't know, last year, you know, with string of great skating in it, but there's at one point where like some tiling on a ledge you know, get yeah. smashed off in the trick, yeah. you know, and the first Facebook comment wasn't, wow, that's great. Or, you know, wow, rollerblading. <laughs> awesome. It was, you know, who's the jerk who smashed up someone's, you know, tiling yeah. of their yeah. ledge. And that was just like some other, you know, peer of mine, you know, all they saw was just who are these guys smashing up someone else's property. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is funny how you just see things from a very different point of view whereas when you're looking at that and you're 22 or something you're just going oh and he smashed the thing oh that's awesome yeah 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 for sure so i know i know gerard struggles a lot putting or hasn't put on right to roll as well so speaking yeah. of legality and laws and things because of the is it the consorting laws in queensland with bikey clubs uh-huh. so if you're if you're seen to gather in a group and it's considered a gang and say that sort of with inverted commas um then you could get in a lot of trouble and actually being put into prison for that so that's mm. that's where uh, right to roll. Unfortunately, I th- it got to ten, and that was the end of it. Otherwise, that would have kept going year on year. It was a, one of the best street comps in Australia. Um, but the, yeah, that's from my understanding. And correct me if I'm wrong, G. Like that's that's where that stopped is because of that. So um, that that kind of yeah, it was a bit bit upsetting because you know it was a, a an institution in Australia, and it's it's no longer because it's it's no longer about we can't do that anymore. Yeah. So. Um, but you can you can still put on jams and stuff that are maybe uh, looking at a lot of the times in particularly down here we've had box jams a lot of the time around St Kilda Foreshore and, and those sorts of places. Yeah. So we've got multiple coping boxes. Yeah, that everyone's going to have fun skating a coping box and a play rail, right? So bring that and set it up somewhere and just have fun. And people tend to gravitate to it and think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So you could put that onto public property, but I doubt you'd get the actual permission to then skate it. That would be very difficult. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess from that point, once your event starts to move forward, if you know where you're going to go, there's, there's two ways. It can be totally non-legal, which I probably like, I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to to support it and go to it, but I I wouldn't necessarily want to be as involved anymore. Mm. Whereas the legal, legal side at a skate park. So, um, always at a skate park, but then if you go to a skate park, it might not be the best park in the world. So take the park in Geelong where the Aussies and Vicks and stuff have been for a, a few years in a row. Um, we can go there. The owner's lovely. We can put boxes and stuff in and build different obstacles and, and shout-outs to JC and Danny and those guys who maybe don't skate as much as they'd like to or as much anymore, but they'll still come along to an Aussies and help build boxes and things in there. Those guys are absolutely, you know, quintessential to these things working properly. But, again, that's been a process. We never used to have that, and now it's gotten more and more and more. So everyone's waiting for the next obstacle to be put together or whatever it is. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's yeah, legality is probably a pretty important thing, and that's where the, the council permission or or you're going to need to have an indoor park or anything like that. But again, the council route's always going to be more difficult because you will need to have insurance behind you yep. to have an outdoor park or to, to use that. So if you were to have a jam, not a competition, and just rock up to a skate park, generally you could take over. But if it was a, a heavy day with lots of people there, you might maybe you need a plan B to go to a different park. Whereas if you've got council permission, you have that park for yourself for the duration that you're locked in there. But then you're going to have to have crowd numbers, crowd control done, like uh, first aid, all of those sorts of various things. So that that stuff has to be locked away. And they'll ask you for that when you're putting the event on. So 
what's your, what's in your plan with this? So how are you going to plan for for this? And do you need toilets? Like all of that kind of stuff. So that that's something you'd have to think about if you've got. The and that's a nightmare when you think about doing it the first time. But as you say, that we've done it a couple of times. You suddenly you get the hang with that stuff, and it becomes a bit more yeah. like um, template. Cut, cut, yeah, exactly. Cut exactly. But also, so by you doing this podcast, dude, you're kind of sticking up and waving your hand at others around the country and saying, "Hey, I'm a resource that the rollerblading community has. Who's done a few of these? Um, if I can help, I can help, right? You know." So I'm happy. I'm yeah. happy to, to help out and to put stuff on. Like it's not, yeah. as I said. It, but if I'm someone else is wanting to organise something and just wants your advice as well, like you know, maybe not on the, like a ten day turnaround, but if they give you enough lead time, you're able to sort of help people. Figure oh, that for out, sure. right? and, and you've got so part of Roll Vic as well. So the guys who are behind Roll Vic would be happy. They're more than happy for someone to to put their hands up and say you need advice. So for me personally, I haven't put on any of my events. Have had actual. We've spoken to councils and stuff, but it all got a little bit too difficult. Given that we weren't in the towns, I wasn't in the towns that we were going to travel with on a couple of tours. Yeah. And then with a clandestine street competition, obviously you're not going to have the backing, right? Mm. However. The guys at Roll Vic have got it templated. They've got all that stuff down, and but they're, they're just busy, burnt-out people. Not burnt-out when it comes to putting the events on. They love doing it. They love the events. But if someone else wants to put their hand up and say, hey, I'm putting an event on, can we maybe you know pay to use the insurance or whatever it is as part of the sign-up, I'm sure that they would turn around and do it and be like, yep, go for it. Whatever you want, we'll help you out. But we're not going to run the event for you necessarily. So there's definitely the, role, the team from Roll Vic. They're a non-for-profit which put on all of your Aussie titles, your Vic titles, and, and help out with a lot of the other stuff behind the scenes. Yep. If you reach out to them, I'd, I'm sure they'd be happy to help, for sure. That's great, man. Man, I'm going to have to head off after all this mucking around trying to get our Skype stuff working. <laughs> That's right, I'm going to make fine. dinner for the kids. But um, before we sign off, is there anything else you want to say while, you, while you're on the podcast? I just I just think people should put more events on. Like, it's, it's a simple thing to do, and it is such an awesome feeling. Like, I... I always look when we're at an event at you, all the various people who have travelled from, you know, wherever it is, interstate. Some, like we had Soichiro at the last Aussies just because he heard there was a competition on, right? So yeah. he flew out to Australia for it. Um, just to see the interaction between some people and the your, you know, quote-unquote pros, your, your various people there, the guys just having fun and just the smiles on everyone's faces, that's – you can be part of that and that's something that you should really – think about doing even if you put on an event every like biannually right or or maybe that's too much let's do it once a year or or even once every two years just do something if you've got a scene and there's a couple of people skating have a think about it what could you do could we go to your local skate park and and maybe not have a competition but have a jam have a skate meet do that kind of stuff so i think it's yeah it's important to do that because it really fosters a community that would be the the only yeah thing is just please get out there and do some stuff because it's really not that difficult and don't be scared about it because it, it'll just it just naturally comes together somehow so good cool yeah. and yeah and as you say in terms of raising profile of the sport even just like having these 20 melbourne and tassie guys hitting up parks you bring buzz to parks and you yeah. show yeah. people showcase it's an exhibition where you're yeah. um uh you're showcasing the sport you know and um, sure. and because it's that jam format you're showcasing this range of skill levels and so you're almost like seeing this flow chart in front of you as you see the the guy is doing the you know misty 720 followed by the guy is just you know doing a footstool followed by the you know all that, you know people get to see that whole range of things um, and people having fun being being, being oh, cool about it you know even just yeah. that as you say I mean, it's just it's but someone's got to organise that because the rest of us will just 
skate when we could skate in the cracks otherwise, but it's when someone yeah. organises it, it flushes everyone out. Well, I guess I know you've got to go, so, but I'd like the last thing that I'd put on this is what really would make me irritated is, is when people talk about an industry being too small and we can't support pros and it's all there's not enough people and blah, 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 but they won't actually put their hand up to do anything. They'll just complain about it. Yeah. Like that's that's the worst. If you're not gonna if you're not gonna contribute anything, then I don't think you get a I don't think you get a voice in that, and you can't be annoyed that the sport's dying or that you rock up to the skate park and there's a bunch of like 150 scooter kids and one person on a pair of rollerblades and no one to skate with. Like if you're not gonna do anything about that, then you need to you need to really have a think about whether you get the right to say anything. So that's a that's another important part. So yeah, just get out there and do it. Like it's it's fun. You'll have heaps of fun. You'll learn stuff. And if the worst case maybe no one shows up and you have an awesome day with your friends skating. Like, that's that's it. That would be it. So, yeah. Good on you, man. Sorry i got to go. I look forward to meeting you in person sometime, Paul. No worries, man. Cheers, Mikey. Thank you. Bye. Mad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch. Theme music by Edifice Architect. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher and get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Mad Beef is supported by Skater HQ. You can find them online at skaterhq.com.au. We are also supported by our growing number of Patreon patrons. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon. Even just $2 a month, every little bit helps.